Hello and welcome. My name is Dan and you're listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Carrie Franzman and Jonathan Plackey, the wife and husband team behind the book Gender Swapped Fairy Tales. Imagine a world where the princesses wear the shining armour and race to rescue their sleeping prince, or where kings sit by the window sewing and longing for a child. Well, thanks to the unusual partnership of a computer algorithm and some very beautiful illustration, in this book, some of our most familiar fairy tales take on a whole new dimension. Let's find out more. Carrie, John, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. Oh, it's great to have you here. So we're talking about your your new book. Now at its core, Gender Swapped Fairy Tales, it's a seemingly a pretty simple idea. I wonder, could you tell us a little bit more about the idea and how it came about? Um, so the idea started quite a long time ago when, when I was a, a kid, my dad used to read me and my sister bedtime stories. And uh, what we didn't know at the time was he was uh, swapping the gender of some of the characters in the books. Um, so that gave him, like, it gave us a whole bunch of new characters and it, it kind of made it a bit more interesting for him to read them. And then kind of fast forward 30 years, we got a child of our own. She's um, three year old and we want her to grow up, you know, believe, thinking she can be whatever character she wants, be whoever she wants. So I decided to create a gender swapping algorithm that swaps any any text that you put into it, it swaps all the gendered language, all the he's to she's, all the kings to queens, all the princes to princesses. And, um, and then Carrie had the idea of um, applying it to fairy tales. Yeah, so it was really interesting. I mean, fairy tales are like some of the oldest, you know, stories we're ever exposed to. They're the first stories we're exposed to, and they contain like layers and layers of um, archetypes and gender um, roles and norms. So um, it seems like the the obvious choice um, for for gender swapping. And um, you, you set out with this this idea. Were you surprised by the results? I think there were there were things that uh, we expected. So we expected there to be, um, you know, princesses rescuing princes and that kind of thing. But there were a lot of things that we didn't quite notice. Um, one of the characters that really, um, one of the characters that stuck out to me was a king, at the beginning of um, Snow White, uh, sitting by the window sewing and longing for a child. Because um, we we did IVF for our daughter, so that's that's a character I kind of identified with. Um, so that those those characters are not haven't really been written before. Um, I think Carrie asked on Twitter um, uh, if anyone could think of any stories that featured men longing for a child as the, as the main character and no one could think of any. Or did, did someone think of one? Or no, kind of I mean not a main character. Not a main character. Yeah, so we, we've got four in our book now. So there, there were, I think there's just because it's been done with an algorithm and we've swapped everything. So we've swapped all, all the characters. You know, you see tomboy princesses and that kind of thing in you know, uh, like Brave with Disney now, you you see the kind of, that, that kind of character, but what you don't see is the flip side, the male characters being allowed to be sensitive and that just be a normal thing, just for a man to just be longing for a child and that'd be a perfectly natural thing. Yeah, we've got to yeah. ask your listeners if they can think of any um, any other stories where the main yeah. character is the man who wants to be a father. Yeah, let us know yeah. if you think of anything. Yeah, do that. There's a challenge to our listeners there. It is a it's a curious thing, isn't it? Because there's it's not like there's necessarily anything wrong with some of these these figures in the fairy tales. I think you say this in, in the introduction. We want little boys to be able to gallop off into the woods and fight monsters. But you know, why shouldn't little girls do the same thing? And and so on. And boys can be 
gentle and kind and generous and, mm. but we don't see those figures I suppose in these traditional fairy tales so much yeah it's interesting I think as a society we're really happy for women to take on masculine roles but we're not happy for men to take on feminine ones which is why we live in a country with huge amounts of you know men who've chosen to be fathers but we don't tell stories about men longing to be fathers I think that's really really telling isn't it there's this massive gap um, and the gender swap bridges that but the other thing which I think was quite interesting which we were surprised about was the the way gender is ingrained in language um, and very subtle levels so one thing I noticed was the title the the women's names would now come first so you got Gretel and Hansel instead of Hansel and Gretel and um, brothers and sisters you know became sisters and brothers and another thing which was quite interesting was the um, the job title so you'd have the the miller and her husband and you'd always find yourself going what wait <laughs> the miller is you know you, you're not used to women being described by their job titles and then the man just being in the position of the husband so you, you're constantly kind of questioning your own biases and um, wondering while you're reading the stories why am I surprised at that you chose the Andrew Lang set of fairy tales is that right why, why did you choose that particular set so Andrew Lang um, worked with a, a team to collect and translate a huge range of folk and fairy tale from all over the world. Um, so first of all, you had a massive collection, which was brilliant. And they're kind of in these gorgeous kind of uh, multicolored volumes. Um, so that was interesting. He also popularized them for um, a mass Victorian audience, which made them um, slightly more moral, I think, than the darker ones, but also slightly more palatable for, you know, um, younger children, because, you know, if you look at the grim stories and uh, they're really grim. <laughs> really <laughs> Quite dark. Um, and then, yeah, the one of the brilliant facts which we discovered in our research is that, in fact, it was um, Nora Lang, which who was Andrew Lang's wife, who's actually um, responsible for the majority of the work. There was no. a, an essay which we discovered from Andrea Day um, suggesting that she'd be responsible for, for much of the work and particularly the latter books. So we found it even more appropriate that they were a wife and husband team like me and Jonathan. Um, and also just, you know, it's interesting to swap something which had obviously been skewed in his favour. It was only his name was on the covers of the volume, the editor, and she never really got a look in. I'm not suggesting, listeners, that <laughs> I did the majority of the work in this <laughs> I would not be fair. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about that dynamic then. So you're a, a husband and wife, or a wife and husband team, both bringing different skills to the project. Um, How's that been? How, how was it working together? Was it the first time you'd worked together on a project? We've worked on quite a few projects together, actually. Um, but, but you know what? We work in a way in which he does his bit and I do my bit. We come together, we talk about the ideas, and then we sit in separate rooms and create them. And I think that that works well for us. So we've done um, animations before and, you know, things which combine uh, visual storytelling with emerging, exciting technology. Yeah, so that's kind of what I, I do. I'm a creative technologist, so I kind of create, um, I, I created that algorithm behind the book. But then, you know, I think our skills match up really well. Like that's, that an algorithm isn't particularly beautiful. So <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice to have Carrie can come along and sort of bring all these new characters to life in such a such an awesome way. And Jonathan really likes playing. He likes to take technology, um, emerging technologies and use them for, 
you know, playful uh, reasons, which they weren't necessarily intended for. So I think this project worked out quite well for that. So let's listen to a section from one of the stories. This is Snowdrop, Snow White, read by the amazing Roger Allen. Snowdrop. Once upon a time, in the middle of winter, when the snowflakes were falling like feathers on the earth, a king sat at a window framed in black ebony and sewed. And as he sewed and gazed out to the white landscape, he pricked his finger with the needle, and three drops of blood fell on the snow outside. And because the red showed out so well against the white, he thought to himself, Oh! What wouldn't I give to have a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as ebony? And his wish was granted, for not long after a little son was born to him, with a skin as white as snow, lips and cheeks as red as blood, and hair as black as ebony. They called him Snowdrop, and not long after his birth, the king died. After a year, the queen married again. Her new husband was a beautiful man, but so proud and overbearing that he couldn't stand any rival to his handsomeness. He possessed a magic mirror, and when he used to stand before it, gazing at his own reflection and ask, Mirror, mirror, hanging there, who in all the lands most fair? It always replied, you are most fair, my gentleman king. None fairer in the land, I sing. Then he was quite happy, for he knew the mirror always spoke the truth. But Snowdrop was growing prettier and prettier every day. And when he was seven years old, he was as beautiful as he could be, and fairer even than the king himself. One day... When the latter asked his mirror the usual question, it replied, My gentleman king, you are fair, tis true, but Snowdrop is fairer far than you. So I'm going to confess that I, I was quite surprised by how, um, how powerful the book was in some ways and how it affected me and kind of challenged some of my unconscious bias, I suppose. So... Right, so going into reading the book, to be perfectly honest, I, I thought, okay, this is a project which is, is worthy, it's kind of noble in its aims, oh, that's all very well and good, but is it going to be a little bit dull? Is it going to be a little bit joyless? Is it going to be a bit like, like low-salt crisps or something? Um, <laughs> and I was wrong. I was completely wrong. I, it made, made me ask all sorts of questions about my own bias and... Uh, my own parenting and all sorts of things like that. So I, I was really impressed by it. But given that, and I, I was wondering what sort of feedback have you had? Because I'm sure I'm not the only person that kind of made those assumptions about the book before looking at it. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Like, you know, you don't want to be preached at by worthy woke people. <laughs> and I think like, um, yeah, that's definitely, you know, a barrier to to entry for the book. But I think the interesting thing is, you know, we're not creating a utopia world where everything's perfect. We still in our book have imbalances. Um, they're just flipped. So we've got now a, a dystopian world where women are in charge and are manipulating the power to their advantage. 
Um, and, you know, we don't by any means want a world where little boys are preyed on by Lady Wolf and <laughs> <laughs> So, like, I think because we still got that power structure, it just flipped. We still got the excitement and the tension of full fat crisps <laughs> rather than the low salt version. Um, but, yeah, I, the response has been absolutely breathtaking. It's been fantastic. I mean, I thought we would get a lot more pushback, um, but we've had such positive reviews and the book's already on its fourth reprint. It's been featured and got a great review in the Guardian and the Independent, but also weirdly in the Daily Mail. So I think one of the reasons that it's appealing to that crossover is because it's not preaching, it's not being worthy, it's not giving you the low so low fat option. It's saying we've done this flip in a kind of detached way and you can observe the results you can decide how to to view it and how to make sense of it and i think in that way it makes it really accessible for people who really understand um the issues of gender to people who maybe never even thought about it before yeah i, I definitely recommend it. it it it's perhaps a, a subject i hadn't given that much thought to but it really did um challenge me in a good way so i mean you you, you said that it's you just kind of flipped it and you the output was what it was and that that wasn't something you, you really had much control over um beyond creating the algorithm did you did you consider rewriting it in any way tweaking the outcomes i think what the reason we wanted to keep it and um, be really religious and kind of keeping it not not changing anything we didn't ha absolutely have to is because we wanted people to be able to read it and, and flip it back and forth in their head that's kind of what's interesting about it is to read it and also know that oh it used to be that way so it makes you question your initial you know your, your initial assumptions about things and um, so we wanted to be really clear on that there were a few cases where we had to um had to change things but we, we tried to keep things really like the there's a bit with the um we had to change a, a, a chicken to a, to a rooster but it's still <laughs> old an egg. <laughs> the kind of things that were, were kind of funny. We kind of thought, well, you know, it's magic anyway. So the, the, why, why can't a rooster lay a golden egg? Um, and things like uh, Rapunzel has now has a, a giant beard. And in those stories, what you don't realize is that Rapunzel's really young. I think Rapunzel's what, like 12? Yeah. Um, so we thought, well, does it make sense that a 12 year old can grow a gigantic beard? And I thought, well, I mean, it doesn't really make sense that a 12 year old girl can grow gigantic <laughs> so, so it's just magic. Just put it down. I would have, magic. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to have been able to grow a, a gigantic beard age 12, although possibly <laughs> not having a, a girl then climbing up there. Get into the pub more easily. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I mean, you kind of touched on it, gender. You're going to the pub age 12, of course. No, no obviously not, obviously not. No, we, we would not, we would not to recommend that behaviour. That's not um, So gender is a pretty hot topic. You, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, most people, I think, would agree that men and women uh, have, have some, to some extent, different lived experiences. So coming to this project from slightly different angles, I suppose, did either of you find that you had any sort of your own long held beliefs or un unconscious bias challenged? Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, you know, we think of gender, you know, certainly for this book as a social construct. So I think that's the interesting thing about looking at why we dichotomize these kind of um, roles and social norms and things. Um, and how ingrained it is. And I, I absolutely 
found myself questioning my own biases. One of the things which I still do, even though I've you know written this book, is um, I refer to animals as he just automatically. So when I'm out with my daughter, I'll be like, oh, look at that squirrel, isn't he cute? Or <laughs> I'll refer to dogs as he automatically. And, um, you know, good afternoon, Mr. Magpie, when you see a magpie. <laughs> it's like, it really annoys me because I do it automatically. And then I say, or she, <laughs> or I'll have to like, you know, deliberately try and move the other way. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, we were reading The Gruffalo the other day by Julia Donaldson and the original one only has male characters in. They've got, you know, the fox, the mouse, the snake, the gruffalo, all men. And, you know, at the end, um, and the owl, but, you know, later books, she obviously, she became aware of that and she corrected herself, um, which was great. But, you know, we're all doing it. We live in a world yeah. automatically, the neutral is male. I've never noticed that with the Griffel. I must have read that book a thousand times to the point where I could probably recite it now, although I don't want to ever again. <laughs> but I, 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 I've never noticed it. That's really interesting. I think it's it's weird how the the things that are the most subtle are the things that kind of influence you often the most because you're not aware of them so I think that's that's what's been really interesting with it is those, those things which you you only notice when you swap it are or the things that have been having this power over us and this influence on us for a long time that yeah. we haven't been, we haven't had any protection from them you know you try and <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know yeah men should be able to you know do this and women should be able to to do the powerful roles you kind of know that and then the other the other stuff you you just weren't aware of it was affecting you without you realizing yeah so in my case I found myself reading the stories and just being a little bit disappointed with with some of the male characters <laughs> even stronger than that to be honest at, at times quite angry I just found some them to sometimes just be a little bit wet with want of a better word or just oh just pull yourself together just why do you need to be rescued or whatever? Yeah. And yeah. Of course, that's um, well, that's really curious. It made me think because I didn't have that with the original fairy tales. I kind of accepted, or while the, the princesses didn't come across that interesting, I kind of accepted their place in the story. But as soon as it was flipped, I found myself getting a little bit cross with the, the boys for being so pathetic, um, which got me then thinking, oh, well, what am I, what, what's, what's this? translating to in real life I have a son and a daughter and like are my expectations or unconscious expectations perhaps different for for one rather than the other am I too hard on my son or too soft on my daughter and so on that's which I think really showed the power of the book to me yeah it's, it's really interesting isn't it I do think men get a harder time for for being passive and rescued and you know I mean we we, we were <laughs> laughing at um snowdrop right yeah <laughs> snowdrop just falls for the same so snowdrop is snow white and uh, that's the original name um the um the his evil stepfather keeps coming to the to the the um the cottage and just tricking him with just basically the same trick over and over <laughs> come out and buy some lace, come out and buy a tie. And he, each time he just falls for it the same. <laughs> and he really like, we <laughs> were joking. So annoyed with him. Yeah, he's like, again, he you didn't notice it to begin with. Yeah, he's a proper himbo, isn't he? He's like <laughs> a, pretty, a pretty boy who's not got many brain cells. And yes. it's, like, it's funny that we, we get really annoyed with that as well. But it does show you, doesn't it? Again, that, you know, um, uh, feminine roles are not, are not considered um, 
you know, taken this seriously and men aren't allowed to adopt them. And we have a massive problem in our society with, you know, higher rates of male suicide and men not going to doctors and men, you know, um, not being able to express emotions except anger. And this is something which we really, you know, men benefit from as well when we when we free up gender roles and we let we kind of bust this binary idea. Yeah, absolutely. So we we've spoken about the the algorithm and you know to be honest Jonathan I still don't really understand how it works. <laughs> it, it all sounds very clever but I'm I'm accepting it and it, it's it, it works really well. Let's talk about the um the artwork. Um Carrie you're a, you're a comic artist you've done art installations, uh, virtual reality, you've even done a TED talk. So you, you, you do all sorts, very talented artist, um, clearly capable of adapting your work. With this, you were, you were illustrating something which is really familiar in some ways, you know, something that's really well loved and it's, you know, these scenes are known by everyone really. Was that daunting? Yeah, absolutely. It was really intimidating. I mean, these are the most drawn stories I think of all time. You're going to um, get a reaction. Yeah. As soon as you mess with them, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of uh, research in inverted commas by just Google, uh, you know, Google image searching. I mean, thank God for Google image search. <laughs> I could like with the click of a button, look at um, illustrations from, you know, hundreds of years ago. Um, for example, I looked at Google searched um, uh, Cinderella and just looked at those key scenes of her running down the steps and losing her glass slippers. And um, so I would, my part of my research process is actually doing the same with, with John's algorithm, but with my drawings. So I was gender swapping the images. I was redrawing the, the old images, but just replacing the female characters with male characters in the same poses and everything. And it's quite interesting because you get very, um, you know, uh, the men are now, you know, wearing clinging clothes and they, their throats are exposed and they're all young and beautiful. And you, you're drawing the same pretty teenage boys again and again. It feels so weird drawing pretty <laughs> teenage boys. And it's like, it, this feels wrong. But obviously that's what we see walking down the runway and, and everything all the time and on front pages of magazines with girls. So yeah, so I had to go through that process and then it was time for me to um, draw my own versions and it was daunting, but I, because of the gender swap, you could actually really bring quite refreshing um, twist to the to the original pictures. So I, I tried to keep that um, power imbalance in each of the images I drew um, and kind of have fun with, with the psychology behind that. And I researched the um, origins and uh, nationalities of each of the uh, fairy tales the first time they were written down, because obviously the oral tradition is more difficult to pinpoint, and drew uh, inspiration from the textile and the costumes and the architecture of those times and those places. So each of them is quite different. It all looks quite classical, but it's, it's um, I mean, uh, Handsome and the Beast is French inspired, um, you know, and, uh, I think Cinderella was Italian. So yeah, I and then I tried to modernize those classical um, images with really bright contrasting color palettes, which I painted with um, watercolors and ink. I was gonna ask about that because although you've taken inspiration from these sort of classical depictions, the, the artwork feels very modern and it's really striking, really bold. Um, yeah, very, very bright. It gave me a bit of a headache. Painting <laughs> <laughs> in those bright colours. <laughs> uh, how long would it take to create one of those images? Because they're, they're 
do you do them on a, a big sort of um, canvas or piece of paper or whatever? Or how yeah, does it work? They're actually like A3 and bigger. So that's the biggest I've worked in. I usually draw comics and graphic novels, which means I have to draw a lot of pages in roughly the same amount of time. So um, it was really nice with an illustrated book to be able to spend longer on the images. And I wanted to have beautiful originals. So yeah, I made them A3, yeah, and then they got shrunk down, which is why you get that really uh, quite a lot of detail in them. Yeah, 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 they're beautiful. And people can buy the print separately, can't they? Yeah, you can actually. We've teamed up with um, Plan International UK um, and we're giving a percentage of uh, our donation to them. They're a gender equality, children charity, um, international, obviously. And um, you can find them on uh, Um And there, yeah, lots more information about the charity there as well. And workshops as well for educators and some videos and lots of press. Everything you need. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so what next? Would you would you look at other stories, perhaps? I think yeah. There's there's so many things that would be brilliant to gender swap. Um, we're we're just looking through all the and making a decision now about what you know what what to do next because there's so much choice. There's so many. Yeah. I'd like to just gender swap everything. Especially <laughs> <laughs> movies. Yeah. Movies would be great to gender swap. I mean, we've we played around with different algorithms as well, looking at other sorts of um, explorations with other um you know power imbalances and i think you know what we really want to do is create a platform and a movement we want um people to be from all over the world to be doing their own swapping to be looking at what stories are swapped and how it affects them um you know i think my fantasy is to do like um some kind of international event where we've got authors from all over the world looking at either their own stories or stories from their own countries and swapping them and, and then you know analyzing it and seeing what the results are and we hope that like young people will start doing it drawing their own characters and their own versions of different films that would be amazing and i guess it doesn't just need to be gender you, you talk about power imbalance it could be um it could be race it could be nationality it, it could be class or yeah, yeah wealth or anything so much. Mm. exactly yeah and it just shines the light on all of these things you have to find the right stories for the right um for the right power inequalities <laughs> Fantastic. So you mentioned the website. Um, remind me, what was that again? And where else can people go to, to find out more about your work or just to follow you and keep up with your projects? Okay, so all of our book buying options uh, and print buying is on www.genderswappedfairytales.com. Um, I am at Carrie Franceman um, on Instagram and uh, Twitter. And I'm at John Plackett. J-O-N-P-L-A-C-K-E-T-T on Twitter. And what's your, your personal email, your personal website is? Oh, uh, plackett.co.uk. And I'm carriefranceman.com. Excellent. Well, thank you both very much. It's been great talking to you. I highly recommend the book to anyone um, who wants to enjoy a good story, a traditional story, but possibly have a few assumptions challenged as well. It's, it's cracking. Brilliant. Thank you both. Thanks so much for Thanks having so much us. for having us. It's great. Our guests today were Carrie Fransman and Jonathan Plackett. You've been listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast, the place to hear authors discuss their work, 
and to explore stories, both fact and fiction, that we think deserve to be heard. I hope you'll join us again.